This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to Total Saints Podcast, episode 19. My name is Ben Stanfield, at Ben Stanis from Twitter. If you listen to our Christmas podcast, as many of you did, for which we are very grateful, you will know that we were actually planning to take a bit of a break over the festive period of New Year. But the transfer of Virgil van Dijk to Liverpool and what that could now signify for Saints meant we couldn't really let the moment pass without getting together and discussing it. To do that, as ever, I'm joined by Adam Leach, Chief Sports Writer at the Southern Daily Echo, Adam, I know yesterday, the 27th of December, was supposed to be a nice, quiet day off work to belatedly celebrate Christmas after your trip up to Spurs. It didn't really turn out like that in the end. No, it was lovely until about five to six. <laughs> and then after that, uh, kind of all hell uh, broke loose, really. So it was it was crazy. And then uh, you said to me, should we should we do a, a pod? And um, yeah, I, I, I thought I completely agreed. It's not often Saints are involved in a world record for anything. So uh, you can't let the moment pass, really, without without marking it, especially as we're, we're polling this season. So, yeah, it's been a big couple of days, really. Um, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk about it a bit more. But uh, as we record, it's Thursday evening and I've just uh, seen Pellegrino as well. And uh, only one topic of conversation. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, um, certainly this podcast, we're just going to focus purely on the Virgil van Dijk saga um, and also what that will now mean for Saints. So we're going to have a chat about that. Um, lots of you have been in touch with comments and uh, we've also had a poll running today. So this is Total Podcast, episode 19, and we're going to talk about that now. So in a very quick summary, Saints announced yesterday, 27th of December, that they had agreed to deal to sell Virgil van Dijk to Liverpool for £75 million. It will be a world record transfer fee for any defender and a profit to Saints of around £55 million in just over two years once Celtic have received their circa 10% selling on fee. It also thankfully brought an end to one of the most tiresome transfer sagas in the history of football. Van Dijk will now get the move to Liverpool that he and his agent have always wanted, but instead it will be from the 1st of January 2018. 
Adam, I think we all knew there was a lot going on in the last couple of weeks by the fact Virgil wasn't playing and or involved in the squad with Saints, but it was still a surprise to you when everything was announced and seemingly wrapped up so quickly? Yeah, well, it, it did It did all unravel very quickly when it, when it happened. I mean, you didn't need to be a genius to work out what was going on over the last uh, week or so, really. He was obviously going to go somewhere. It was obvious that the January move was on the cards when, when uh, Pellegrino kept leaving him out of the squad and then um, was very cagey in really discussing why he left him out of the squad. I, I must admit, I'm not entirely sure at that point what there was to lose by, by not being uh, honest in, in line with the club's uh, policy of open communication and things like that. I don't really see it would have been a, a massive issue to have um, to have admitted uh, publicly that with the transfer window around the corner, that it may be that Virgil leaves and, and we'll wait and see what happens. But anyway, nonetheless... Uh, obviously, things accelerated very quickly um, on the 26th and in, into well into the 27th, which I think is when the majority of things uh, all came together. Um, and Saints and Liverpool decided that rather than wait, they would they would uh, preempt it all and admit the deal was done and and get it out there and make it public. And yeah, I mean, it was it was surprising really that it, it happened in that manner. Um, that they decided that they would they would go public before um, before the first of January. But from Saints' point of view, I think if you were going to do it, then why not? It's one less problem. It's one less thing to worry about, isn't it? It's um, it's one less uh, area of speculation you've got to worry about. And also, in a, I'm sure this isn't why they did it, but a, a happy uh, coincidence or consequence of it has been that it has also taken a bit of heat off of Pellegrino because after the Spurs game, um, there's a lot of people talking very seriously about his position, but he's actually been bought almost 48 hours, 72 hours of peace and quiet to get on with his job and not have that flying around because all the focus has been on what's happened with Virgil. I think certainly from a fan's point of view, whilst it was obviously slightly disappointing it happened so quickly, I think actually you don't want it dragging on until the end of January like we had through the summer anyway. So from a positive point of view, I think, as you say, you know, it's done, it's dusted, we know he's going. There, there wasn't actually a, a part of me that felt any sort of um, disappointment that it was Liverpool in the end. I think it was such a, a big fee and uh, and it's clearly been, and we, we can talk about it in a minute, but clearly been someone that uh, has, uh, you know, really almost down tools since this whole incident happened. So I think in terms of Saints and being a fan, for me, I'm glad it's done and dusted and hopefully now we can move forward. We, we ran a poll on the, the the Total Saints pod Twitter page this morning say, asking fans whether they agreed with Saints' decision to sell Van Dyke to Liverpool for £75 million as of the 1st of January. We had 90% of people saying that they did agree with that, 8% saying that they didn't, 3% saying that they're obviously undecided at this stage, but 90% of people backing the board on that decision. So I think that probably shows that as a fan base, we're predominantly happy with the, the way things have worked out in this one particular circumstance. Yeah, I think that what will great fans more is not the fact that, that Van Dyke has gone, but the fact that he's gone to Liverpool. I think that's what will probably uh, irk people more than the fact he's been uh, sold. I mean, it's the way the whole thing has played out from from start to finish is is rather um, rather distasteful in many ways. Um, it hasn't been a, a particularly uh, good episode. It hasn't painted Virgil or um, his people, as it were in a particularly good light. Obviously, it hasn't painted Liverpool in a very good light. It's left people questioning uh, even further the, the Saints hierarchy and their decision-making uh, throughout this whole process. 
um, from beginning to end. And it's been very disappointing, I think, that, that it's come it's come to this. And I think there is that, uh, despite the, the getting the money, as it were, and getting a very uh, good fee for Virgil, there has to be that little bit of disappointment as well that, in the end, Saints have lost, haven't they, really? I mean, they've, they've kind of won because they've got good money, but they've also kind of lost in that they sort of engaged in the battle of wheels in, a, in an attempt to stand up uh, to a player who they felt shouldn't leave, who should honour a, a very lucrative contract they'd signed, to stand up to Liverpool um, from, from taking another one of their players and in a manner in which they didn't agree. And in the end, really, um, as you say, perhaps his performances this season and so therefore him his agent the fact that he knew that this move was on the cards they've they've ultimately got what they wanted and Saints didn't get what they wanted which was to have him for the rest of the season playing uh, at the top of his game so also I think while the fee was good also tinged with disappointment that in the end it's probably a battle that Saints that Saints took on uh, and and really they probably lost you know hindsight's a wonderful thing as people say you know, it was Saints were widely sort of commended in the summer for that that standing up and and fighting their core and so to speak against um, Liverpool and also against Van Dijk as well. But I guess when you look at it now, everything we've just spoke about there, and, and bearing in mind, you know, ultimately we have still sold to Liverpool after everything that they've been through, we've been through. You look at sort of how it's affected Saints this season, and I know we spoke about it recently. And, and whilst it is slightly different scenarios, we, we, it's almost a mirror image of the Jose Fonte situation last season. You have a, a disgruntled captain who sort of is pushing negativity potentially through the changing room. You then find yourself having to make a decision in January and selling them maybe against the club's best wishes. In hindsight, if we'd sold him to Liverpool back in May when that had first happened, got the same sort of, I mean, I appreciate the fee then was slightly less. They were talking 60, 65 million, but we could have invested it in the team then. Pellegrino arguably may not be in the position he is in now in the league. Instead of having 18 games to save our season, we would have had 38 to build on and uh, go from, from, from there, really. So bearing in mind everything that's happened the last 24, 48 hours, do you think Saints were wrong to not move forward in the summer? Well, you may recall um, in our podcast, our very, very early uh, TSP career, when we were talking about this, it was amongst our first podcast, we, we were discussing this, obviously, in some depth every week. And, and while at the end, I think we all said uh, fair play to the board, they, they took a stance and they stuck with it. And yeah, well, credit to them for, for trying to do it. I think you may uh, recall that I was not uh, as much in the camp of yes, they should definitely keep him as as a lot of other people were, and I, I made the point then that really I was concerned about what player Saints were going to get back, less what was going to happen in terms of his transfer for the you know, status for the rest of the season, but more the guy hadn't played since January. You had no way of knowing uh, what state he was going to be in when he came back physically, as well as mentally. And the, the, I mean, I just said that at the time I can recall saying the Saints just need to make whatever is the best business decision, really, and the best business decision in the interest of the club and the team. Now, I don't really want to get into saying it was a mistake for them to keep him because I, I think it was a, a pretty finely balanced decision, to be honest with you. And I don't think that really the board uh, particularly deserved criticism for, for deciding to keep him, because I think it was an admirable stance. With hindsight, it clearly wasn't a very good decision, <laughs> I, I feel. I mean, it's not gone well, but I think I wouldn't criticise them for having made that decision, because I think they made it, you only make a decision that you think's right at the time, and I think they made that 
with good faith and good intentions and more than anything hoping that there will be good faith and good intentions repaid by Virgil and his people in Liverpool and maybe that's more the disappointing issue rather than Saints making a mistake. I know you've been talking to the Liverpool Echo about the, the move and I was, I was reading your comments with interest because I think obviously a lot of it makes perfect sense and typifies what you just said there about the fact that he's maybe not the player he was 12 months ago and there's obviously an element of risk with the fee that Liverpool have paid. If we were to sort of stand here right now, Adam, you've got Liverpool with Virgil van Dijk, you've got Saints with 75 million. As of today, who do you think's the winner? Well, I would have the money, personally. I would definitely take the money. I mean, the, the point I made um, to, to Chris at the Liverpool Echo when he phoned me to, to interview me about it was... I think Virgil will probably do really well for Liverpool. I think he'll probably be a really good signing. But I've used the word probably twice. And that's because I don't think it's guaranteed. If you'd have asked me 12 months ago now, I'd have been, yeah, fantastic. Great signing. Fantastic. But the point I was making is that it's been a year since he's been at that level. We all remember what that level was like. I mean, he was brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. Best defender in the Premier League by a long way. I don't watch all the defenders around the world. Um, I don't watch all the other leagues particularly religiously, but I'm sure that must put him amongst the very, very best central defenders in the world. And therefore, obviously, you'd think, yeah, he'll go. He can go to any club, any big club and do really well. Now, it's been a year since he's been at that level, almost a year now, approaching a year. There's no guarantee. You don't turn it on and off like a tap. You think now he'll be fully committed, fully focused and desperate for success with Liverpool, that he'll be able to get back to that level and maybe even better. But we don't know for sure that that's the case. It might not be the case. He hasn't been like that for, for, for well, 11 months now. Who's to say that he that's where he's going to be again? No, None of us know. And so therefore, to get an absolutely massive premium for him, to have money to spend in January, which is obviously, it's very obvious now, is desperately needed for Saints, and also to have got one massive distraction and one massive problem out of the way. I think that's better for Saints. Have Liverpool won? Well, I guess if they've got the player that they wanted, uh, whatever methods that they've used over a long period of time to get him, in the end, they have got him. So in the end, it hasn't worked exactly as they wanted, but they have still got him. So they've still got what they wanted. Uh, To my mind, the reason for the fee being somewhat inflated is that in reality Liverpool have paid compensation for what happened in the summer that's the reality of the situation that's why it's more than it than you would have suspected it would have been they pay compensation uh, to get the deal done and to you know a little bit extra on top basically for for the problems that happened in the summer so I think now the important thing for Saints is kind of is is where they go from here I guess time will tell. It'll be a hindsight thing with Liverpool. Was this a great move for them or was it not a great move? What's for certain is that Van Dijk has to be very, very good to justify that kind of price tag. Alongside the poll on the Total Saints podcast Twitter page, we also just asked fans for their sort of comments and views, whether they were happy, disappointed, what the the club should sort of do with the money now that they've got it. So uh, as I mentioned at the start, we had quite a a few replies. So thanks to everyone that did send it through. Andy Davis1978 said he agreed to sell, not to Liverpool, should have sold in the summer and reinvested then. And another example of false promises from the board. No doubt they will use the excuse of inflated prices in January when they don't sign the players they want. At Charlie Messenger 87 said it's done now. Key is to sign proven quality to come straight into our first 11 and improve it. Probably need three players, a centre-back, attacking midfielder and a striker. 
At Alistair Noman 3 said, yes to selling in, just annoyed it's Liverpool again. We now need to buy two forwards, then use the rest of the money in the summer after we've had a massive clear out. At George Galpin 95 said he was happy with the fee and the situation now being solved. The manager, though, is still the key bit for me. We bought in a good striker 12 months ago, yet both Claude Puel and Maurizio Pellegrino don't play to his strengths. That's obviously Gabbiadini. Just hope we don't have a repeat situation. And at Mark Bradford 25 said, I'm confused with the sound bites coming from Saints, how it will fund a striker, why Gabbiadini's quality just passed the ball to him. More pressing is the need for a manager with new ideas. So I think most people are sort of happy, Adam, with the comments um, towards the fact that we've sold him, we've got the right fee. But I still think there's this nervousness. And I know you've written about it. I know that obviously it's been in the press conference today. Pellegrino, in terms of his role, and I know this was something that um, at SFC underscore Max was keen for me to ask, but it obviously seems evident, despite recent results, that the board are going to trust Pellegrino here. They're going to invest in the squad in January and still stick with him. Well, that's the way it looks. I mean, the, 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 you never say never in football, do you? And, um, you know, you're, you're only ever a couple of bad results away from uh, an unexpected decision. And Pellegrino can't be too far away after the, the, the manner of the defeat at Tottenham. You wouldn't want to go and take another pasting somewhere and for the squad to look as mentally beleaguered as they did at Wembley. Um, but that said... Uh, I don't think that there's there's an appetite for change. And we've discussed um, a couple of times in the past the reasons for that, which there are several good reasons. So at the moment, I, I would still say that, that they're very much in the camp of hoping that he can turn it around, basically, hoping that he will uh, come good rather than pulling the trigger. On top of that, I think there's been an awful lot of uh, managerial moves in the last well, in the last three weeks, and there's not a lot on the market anymore either. And I think that that is something that needs to be taken into consideration. I think Everton um, ultimately have got Allardyce, but they could have really paid the cost for their decision to fire Koeman without without anybody uh, to come in. And they obviously struggled desperately in that period under Unsworth. And Saints can't afford to have a period like that now. They can't afford a, a bad transition so you could only do it if you had somebody who you believed was going to be really good to come in and who's out there. You're almost better off probably sticking with, with the guy who at least knows the players, hasn't got the Van Dyke thing hanging around his neck anymore, maybe can get a bit more team spirit uh, into the squad and hopefully is going to be boosted by at least two, maybe even three uh, very high-quality signings. And I think that, for me, that's the key for Saints now. It's um, We've talked a lot about the manager, but I've also made the point continuously that I think that the squad balance isn't right. The players that they've got in, they haven't got all the right players. The transfer policy hasn't really done the job in the last uh, last few years now. Um, and I, I completely agree with, I think it was uh, was Charlie who in the messages there who said um, they need to sign proven quality. That's That's exactly what I think needs to happen now. Um, in the situation they're in, I know it breaks the mould for Saints. I know it's not what they like to do. And I know it will cost a lot more money than is business sense, perhaps. But they need to get in some proven quality. We can't have um, some more 16, 17, 18 million pound fringe players from big clubs overseas coming in in the, in the hope that one of them might come good. They actually need to get a couple of players in who they know are good, who they know can handle this league, this division, and can help get the team out of the mess that they are in and the the worst mess that they currently look to be heading towards. 
I know we don't normally do transfer speculation, Adam, but there's been a lot of rumours around today. Obviously, I'm, I'm not sure if it's coming from uh, HP or Heinz, but uh, certainly a few sources seem to be saying that Theo Walcott's a potential in January. Is, is that something that you think is realistic if the right deal can be struck, or do you think they need to be looking at different players to him? Well, I mean, they need some attacking players, and like I said they need proven quality, and, and Theo Walcott falls into that bracket. I can't say that... As as we speak right now, I know any I have any information that I can give on it. I don't uh, genuinely know. It wouldn't surprise me entirely if they if they looked down that kind of route. That is the kind of player they need, assuming that they can keep him fit, of course, which has always the been the big problem with Theo since he's left Saints. Um, but yeah, at least with a signing like that, that kind of falls into the mould that I mean. It's a, Obviously, it's a guy who's proven at the Premier League level. He knows the division. He knows how to play in this league. You know he can be successful in this league. That is what, in my mind, Saints need to look at. A deal like that, obviously, will cost an awful lot of money. Getting anybody who's proven at Premier League level is going to cost a lot of money. There's no doubt about it. And it's something that Saints have shied away from. Uh, in general for uh, many, many years uh, in terms of the, their signings. It's just not the pattern they followed. And the reason for that is because if you're running it purely as a business, you don't want to buy high and sell low, which is the reality if you're buying an older, experienced Premier League footballer. But occasionally you have to break the mould. And if they're not going to prepare to break the mould with a complete change in style of manager and then style of the team and the way all that runs. And and really, that would probably require a change in the setup of the club and the way the football side works. Um, if they're going to be reluctant to do that, then they're probably going to at least to need to give some in terms of the of the squad and actually spend some of this money. They've got money. Surely they were going to spend money in January anyway. They're boosted by the Van Dyke money, uh, though I would point out that it's not don't hammer them if they don't spend 70 million because realistically that's not how much money they're getting for van dyke by the time you take off all the uh, minuses that need to come off that column but even so um I, I would like to see definitely two but preferably three uh really good signings um come in and hopefully that will be the tonic that Saints need. Certainly, that's what Pellegrino, I think, is hoping for, that that's going to be the thing that turns it around. And I'm sure the board are hoping for that as well, that they can stick by him long enough to get him these players and that then he will come good. I just wanted to read out one more tweet because I left this one to last on purpose, really, and it kind of ties in what you just said there. Is at Rob Adam Evans sent us a message and it said, getting rid of Rotten Freak for 75 million, 70 million up front is another bit of sterling selling from our board. However brilliant the selling has been, the incomings have not always matched. Time for the Saints FC transfer strategy to change and very soon. Otherwise, we could be going down. So I think it's evident a lot of fans are very much of the same opinion, Adam, in terms of, you know, we're not silly. We realise that Saints are very well run. They're very sustainable. But sometimes in certain situations, which I think we probably find ourselves in, where we're very much looking over our shoulder, you kind of need them now to have a really clear transfer strategy and be confident enough to execute that in January and get the players that they want. Yeah. And and the reality is, um, and Saints won't obviously won't present it this way when it happens, but Nonetheless, they're going to get ripped off in January <laughs> because they're desperate. They're desperate and they've got a lot of money and everybody knows it. Um, so they're going to get ripped off. They're, this is not going to be good for them. It's, as hilarious as it is to, to sort of have the the chuckle that Liverpool have massively overpaid for Van Dijk, as some people see it, or just a bit overpaid, as others might say, Saints are almost certainly going to have to overpay as well. And they're going to have to overpay 
to get quality players out of clubs. Uh, and if they don't do that, then they're taking a huge gamble with where the club is going to be next season, I think. So they've, they've got to do it. And I know it's not uh, it's not good business sense, but it's a position they're in. And that, um, you, you, you know, you get into a almost a philosophical argument then about whether it's good business sense to have got to this stage in the first place. But either way, they now need to, but as you say, have a very clear transfer policy and they need to execute it. And when they say execute it, they've done a, they've done the job of tying up Van Dyke very quickly. They can't hang around on getting players in either. They need quality and they need it quickly to boost the squad because the games continue to come thick and fast and they don't want to be in the position where you get to the, towards the end of January and you're just you're just really desperate, really scratching around. And if results haven't gone well as well, I mean, then you 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 really are beginning to to panic, to be honest. And, and and what do you do then? Do you stick or twist in all senses with the manager, with your plans, with your squad, or, or you know what do you do? It's a difficult situation. So. I think that's that's what what we need to see. We need to see there's been decisive action. You can't criticise the board for for that in this instance with Van Dijk. Um, they have taken decisive action and they've got that sorted out quickly, which gives them the chance to now be decisive on the incomings as well. And we can only hope that all of this is going on as we speak in the background. Just finally, before we close the, the podcast, obviously it's just a short one to talk about this situation. How important do you think it is alongside technical ability that the players that they're, they're looking to bring in or players that are currently within the squad now need to step up and, and really be leaders? Because I think that's one of the things that you know we've discussed numerous times and and to his credit Welshley down tools van dyke was a leader he was a captain you know you look at players like davis yoshida maybe haven't stepped up and sort of taken that mantle so how how important is it for saints as part of that transfer strategy if people aren't going to step up internally to look to recruit leaders well i think the character of the, of the players they sign is key and i think that perhaps when you look at the squad overall perhaps that's been part of the the problem with the transfer policy is that they haven't perhaps brought in the kind of characters that they've needed. Um, you can argue all you want as to whether they think that you think that they brought in the uh, quality that's required. But I mean, the character is a sort of something a bit more intangible, I suppose. Uh, and for all the talk of, of, you know, Saint scouting and the black box, ultimately, as I always say, it's still a couple of people making a decision to buy a footballer. There's no more or less complicated than that any of us could sit around and and know the budgets and and negotiate and do it really but what you're paying these people for is their expertise in their judgment in getting the right ones um, which is obviously somewhat of an art form and the character has to come into it and especially if you're bringing players in to what is potentially a fight it's certainly a battle it might be a, a relegation battle um, or not, depending on how you view it, or and it might be certainly something that's going to end that way. So you've got to have players who are going to have the stomach for that, who are going to be prepared to come in and roll up their sleeves. That's why you want players in on a permanent basis, on decent, you know, on on a, a few years contract. You don't want to get loans in and things like that at this stage. You need players who want to come in and then fight and fight for their future. It can be a difficult sell to get players in when you're in that kind of situation. That can be hard, and that's why perhaps you might end up paying a bit of a premium in wages and things like that and signing on fees uh, to get them in, which I appreciate isn't ideal because then you start saying, well, are they just here for the money and nothing else? But you, you've got to start somewhere. 
and I think the character thing is key. I mean, it is difficult. I, I don't, I don't necessarily agree that players haven't stepped up in terms of leadership because I think people lead in different ways. And and I think what a lot of people want is they want to see the big presence, the big vocal person, the man who's just jumping into challenges left, right and centre and things like that, as whereas some people lead in. And that is important. That is needed in a football team, I think. But other people lead in other ways, don't they? And I know a lot of people talk about Stephen Davis and other players and things about uh, how important he is to the to the squad for his leadership. And it's not, uh, you know, it's not a guy who comes around and before the game slapping everybody on the back and shouting at them and pinning people up against the dressing room. But it's a guy who leads by example every day. And maybe Saints need a couple more um, larger than life characters to replace Jose, to replace Virgil and people like that. I, I would agree. Um, but it is it's trying to find the right blend of people as well as the right blend of, of skills. And that is a difficult thing to do. Finally, one word answer, Adam, just to try and test you just right till the end here. One when, word, when, wow. <laughs> when you consider both our lack of goals over the last 12, 18 months and also our calamitous defensive performances, thinking recently Leicester, Spurs, etc., what, what do you think the priority needs to be in terms of signings we make? Defence or attack? One word. Attack. Why attack, Adam? Ah, so I get some more words. OK, um, I, I, I think the problem really that you have with staying in the division for most teams, when they teams get sucked down into the bottom three and then can't get out, is because they can't score goals. And one of the reasons that I feel perhaps yeah, Bournemouth have got a fighting chance, even though defensively they're pretty frail by the looks of it, is that you know that they've got goals in their team and that means they can always win games. The problem for Saints is obviously when you haven't got goals in your team, you only need to start leaking a few and you've got a problem. And, and for me, I think that they need to uh, really power on with getting some 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 more goals into the team, as simple as that. And that has only been exacerbated by the fact that Charlie Austin is going to be out for you know a long period of time, a minimum of a couple of months, could be more. Um, We'll wait and see when they get the results of his scan. But he's certainly out for at least a couple of months. Uh, who knows whether he'll be back fully fit again before the end of the season or much before the end of the season. Um, before the end of the season, enough to play a meaningful role by the time he's fully fit. Who knows? So with that in mind, you've now got Shane Long, you know, tries his heart out. We all know his strengths, but we also all know that he's a man totally devoid of confidence in front of goal and hasn't scored since February. And we've got Gabby Adini, who's obviously had that one great streak as soon as he arrived and then has really since then, his record has been more like his record over his career has suggested he would be. And, and there is the argument Saints aren't playing to his strengths. And I get all that. But nonetheless, three goals this season uh, is not really a, a great return, given the amount that he has played. And that's it in the striking department. Now, there's there's, no, there's nothing else, really. Um, and then when you look at the players in behind the strikers, there's a complete lack of pace with a cutting edge, I would call it. That's two things, really, pace and cutting edge, but sort of combined. And so I think that Saints need to be able to score more goals. I mean, it's it's pretty simple. I think I would like to think that Pellegrino, now they know that Van Dijk's not going to be there anymore, it is going to be able to settle the defensive side of things a bit better. I think that's... Uh, you need decent players, but I think that's more of a, something that can be coached than the attacking side, which is very difficult to coach. You need that just sheer ability and talent. And ultimately, 
Um, I don't know what Saints will do in terms of whether they'll go for another centre-half, but from their point of view, I think they bought Wesley Hood in the summer as the replacement for Van Dyke. So I, I kind of get the impression they might feel that they've, they've that area's strong enough, given they've obviously got Yoshida, uh, Stevens, and then Bednarek as well, um, if they really need another another choice there. Um, maybe maybe there's an argument for one more, maybe not. Um, likewise, maybe the, the right fullback you could do with a better backup for Cedricson having to play Stevens over there. But nonetheless, when you talk through all that, and you look at it that way, that doesn't seem the priority to me. Central midfield, Romeo, Lamina, Hoiberg, you've got your options there. This this isn't the priority. Saints are not going to spend the money that they can get people in in all these positions that are top quality. So where do you need it? Without Austin, they need another striker and they need goals. How about you? Yeah, I think, um, as you say, goals are important. Goals are what wins games. Goals are what gets you three points. Defensively, I still think we look pretty average, but as you say, hopefully you can settle it down, start to build some confidence. I think chopping and changing that every week doesn't help, but if we can get one or two quality players in that can score your goals, you're going to hopefully win games and therefore push yourself up the league, and uh, then you're not looking over your shoulder, you're starting to move forward, aren't you? Yeah, I think that's that's exactly what they need to do. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, uh, the, the defensive performances haven't been great, and so therefore you can't turn around and go, yes, they've got it sorted defensively, but all, all I'm saying is, when right now we're talking about priorities and Saints aren't going to sign five players in January. That's completely unrealistic. We're looking at two, maybe three. That's what Pellegrino said. And I think I think now with Austin out, it's got to be a given that one of them is going to have to be a striker. So that's what that's one potentially of your two. So then you think, well, where else? And uh, yeah, OK, uh, centre half. Yeah, maybe that might improve things a bit, but you've got to get in. You know, Yoshida and Wesley Hood and Jack Stevens are competent Premier League centre halves. You could argue they're not top level Premier League centre halves, but they're competent. Now, how much have you got to spend to get a top level Premier League centre half? Okay, now we're talking serious cash, bearing in mind they've just sold one for 70 million. So maybe if you're going to spend 20 odd million on one player, 25 million maybe, perhaps you're better off getting more goals in the team, I would say than trying to get in a centre-half who's maybe a slight upgrade on what you've got. Thanks for listening to this episode of TSP. As ever, we hope you found it interesting and well-balanced. Thanks to all of you who got in touch to share your views on the Van Dyke deal and also for voting on our poll. Special thanks also to you, Adam, for joining us at short notice, particularly during your Christmas holiday. So thanks for that. The ball is very much in Southampton Football Club's court now. A clear January transfer strategy with the confidence and acumen to fully execute it is of the greatest importance for both our season and our future. We need technical ability. Ideally, we need leaders. But most of all, we need to see some passion and fight again. Come on, Saints. Don't let us down now. Have a happy new year and keep marching in. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.